0: Hello everybody, great to see you today, you all looking good. Why don't you greet two or three people and shake their hand or give them a hug and say, you look good too, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, surprise, I get to be with you this weekend, so excited, yeah, Pastor Mark called me a couple of days ago and mentioned about his little adjustment in the schedule and uh, due to ministering to a, a family, some friends of his, so uh I'm just so honored to be invited and was able to rearrange my world to hang out. You've got uh, wonderful, wonderful pastors. And I know yesterday was their 40th wedding anniversary. It's amazing. You know, it's just beautiful. The faithfulness uh, and the love of the Father and working in the hearts. uh, And then, of course, working among you. It's it's a beautiful thing. You know, we all need pictures in our lives where the love of God is working. You know what I mean? It gives us... uh, Gives us a, a worldview that uh, that 's so so powerful and so rich, so uh, honored to be here. God bless you i flew in uh, I flew in last night, and you know you 've got to have priorities in life, so as soon as I landed about seven o 'clock, I went straight to Vals dining and, and, and had me a mama burger hallelujah and a milkshake, praise the lord and just sat at the, just sat at the counter and uh, let God love me. You know, you can let God love you in in things that are so simple and and so real. Then Lester came and sat with me, and we had some great fellowship. But do you know? Uh, sometimes we make we make uh, living for Jesus pretty difficult. And and when we make it difficult, we live with a lot of disappointment. We li- live with a lot of self judgment, like we're not good enough, or I can't do this. I remember many 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 years ago. I was in a meeting, I was young in ministry, and I wanted to be successful, you know, I wanted, I wanted my life to be successful preaching. And, and uh, I needed breakthroughs and all these things, and I heard this uh, beautiful brother, you know, they were teaching on prayer and intercession, and he, he made a statement, you know, he said, well, if you can tithe your time in prayer, you're going to really get the breakthroughs. So I thought to myself, okay, cool, now let me see, tithe, tithe means tenth. So tithe my time, 24 hours a day, that means 2.4 hours. So I signed up for that. I said, okay, good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to show I love God. You know, I'm, I'm in this thing. I'm going to tithe my time in prayer and get my breakthroughs. Well, the first day I got to about the 15-minute mark. <laughs> and I thought, you know, uh, I don't think I'd do this very good. I really got nothing else to say except help. (laughs) And I don't know how to say it in the spirit anymore, and I don't seem to have the unction to pray in the spirit. So I failed on the first day of trying. I remember when I was very, very young, I, I grew up in Michigan. Last weekend, by the way, I was in Chicago. I was preaching for Pastor Bill Winston there in chicago and i do every every july when he's on vacation and so i was there and then after the third service that day uh, last sunday i drove a couple hours about well, two and a half hour three hours maybe to michigan where i grew up in the little town town of a thousand people and i, I drove by my old house where i grew up five miles outside the town and uh, i'm one of five kids and reminisced a little bit and uh, did some things that I'm, I'm in, that are in my heart now, stirring for small small towns and small communities. And uh, so, anyway, while I was while I was there, uh, you know, I drove uh, by the, uh, the old Baptist church I grew up in. My mom would haul us five kids, you know, in the station wagon. We go and beautiful beautiful church, beautiful people. And you know, I learned of great Bible stories and that Jesus died for me. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But I remember when I was really young, I was about 11, I went to a summer camp, because you know there's a lot of summer camps going on, and all of us young boys were in this summer camp, and they had an old man preaching to us, he was about 40, and and, uh, this old man was preaching to us, and he was preaching on hell, and we thought, man, what a bummer, you know, and he he was... he was telling us how, how, how terrible hell is and how long eternity is. And then he said, uh, you know, Jesus died for your sins. Thank God he put that in. But then he said, you know, if you love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all, all your strength, if you just really love God enough and, and, and believe that Jesus, you know, died for you. You're safe. You can be saved, and you don't have to go to hell forever and ever. And you know we're all shaken, you know. And uh, <laughs> so I left the meeting that night, but then came back in and asked for 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 prayer, which was beautiful, you know. And uh, and then I walked out in a big sky, you know, in Michigan, in this campground place, and I said, God, you know, really help me, help me to love you. So I I worked at trying to love God with all my heart. And all my soul and all my mind and all my strength. And you know what I found out? I found out I don't do that very good either. I really don't love God very good. So as a kid, I looked pretty disappointed in me. And then I went to college. And I was trying to love God with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind. And I was a rotten failure there too. I didn't do that very good. So then my final year of college, I felt compelled and called into the ministry. Think of that. God would call a loser into the ministry. God would call somebody who couldn't love very well so I could teach other people to be as miserable as I am. <laughs> I'm crying real early in this message. Usually it hits about the seven-minute mark. It's, are you all glad you're here? Yeah. I need to go back to Val's and get another milkshake. I think that's where I'm comforted. You know that uh, it's okay if you're a failure at loving God. Can you believe that? God delivered me from me many years ago now. And he taught me something about teaching people. People always say, Keith, with all your mission work around the world, I bet you go in there to the Middle East and I bet you really give all those Muslim people and those rascals. I bet you really teach them how to love God, don't you? I said, no. I don't try to teach anybody how to love God. I teach people how to be loved by God. I teach people how to sit still, pull a seat up to the bar or sit under a tree or look at the sky or go fishing. And be astonished with the love and acceptance God has of you. Because if you can believe that by faith, you will naturally respond in love to him. And then you're finally equipped to love yourself. And then you're finally equipped to love those around you. I want to share something with you this morning and maybe tonight that hopefully puts you at ease. Hopefully it will make you relax with the Father. Most people think, man, if I sit down, you know, with a father, I bet he's going to nitpick me to pieces. he got nothing on you, friend. Nothing. Because he doesn't see you for you. He sees you in Christ. And you look really good there. In fact, you're as righteous as the lamb. And if you can come to the place of the acceptance of God's view of you, if you can have faith in the faith of God. If you can have faith in the faith of Jesus. If you can just have an agreement with the faith of God and an agreement in your heart with the faith of Jesus, you'll find a place of peace that's astonishing and you'll find your equipping in that environment and you'll find your transformation in that environment. The beautiful thing is to come to a place where you understand really what love is. Let me show you what I mean. Go with me in your Bible, if you would, to 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. 1 John 4, verse 10. Actually, uh, this verse is really, really powerful. Listen very carefully. It says, in this is love. In other words, it's kind of like a, you could say it's, a, you know, a definition. In this is love, not, oh, that's, now wait a minute. In this is love, not that we love God. Now, let's just pause a minute. Doesn't that just frustrate the heck out of you? In this is love, it's not in your love for Him. But that, Keith, is what I've always been taught. Keith, you got to love God more and harder and perfectly in this. No wonder I was a nervous wreck. It was all up to me trying to love enough and pray enough and do enough to think I was in and accepted and had breakthroughs and this, that, and the other. Listen, in this is love, not that you love Him. But that He loves you. But that he loves you. And he sent Jesus Christ, his son, to be the propitiation for your sins. Now, John the Apostle is writing this. Remember who John is. John's one of the disciples of Jesus. This is now later written in his life. Remember when he wrote the Gospel of John and he would speak of himself. He wouldn't even use his own name in the Gospel. He would define himself, not with his name, but with a description of the one whom Jesus loves. In other words, he had the worldview of the disciples of the love of God for him instead of Peter's worldview of love for God. So when he writes this epistle, he gives you a whole new way to think about your love for God, which really tips upside down your thinking in a lot of ways, but brings great, great peace and joy. In in fact, it provides you the equipping to do everything else you've longed to do in life, everything else you've longed to do in ministry, everything else to be effective and cooperate with the flow of the Spirit in your life. So he gives this definition, "In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent Jesus Christ to be the propitiation for sin. So that word propitiation is a big word, it's a theological word. It simply means that Jesus is the mercy seater. He's He's the covering. In other words, the way you know you're loved by God is not to look at yourself. Amen. You don't have to be good enough. In fact, you don't have to be moral enough. You don't have to tithe your time to prove you love Him. He's proved he loved you through Christ. And Jesus Christ was the propitiation for your sin. In other words, he took your sin. He went to the cross. And at the cross, you understand love for you. So the worldview for love is not you trying to love him. Your worldview for love is just sitting still. Pouring a drink. Having a glass of iced tea having a malted milk whatever you want and sit there sometime throughout your day and let god love you how by having the world view or your focus or really your passion not for you trying to love him but your passion is just to realize how much he loves you because when you believe that when you receive that you know what you do you you love yourself you give yourself grace You don't nitpick everybody around you. You extend grace. And what you do is you automatically, reciprocally return a love to God. You know what I can do? I can sit down like I, in my fun illustration, like I get get off the plane and I go to Val's and get me a little something to eat. But I could sit, just sit still and think of the love of the Father. And you know what I begin to say? Thank you. I just say thank you. God, you use a rascal like me. You use somebody who can't love perfectly. You use somebody who can't pray perfectly. It's amazing to me. And you know what happens when you're loved by the Father? You begin to love God. And in that exchange, there's a, there's a strength. I don't know how to describe it. There's a passion that comes up in your life that changes the way you live and the way you look at things. Let me explain what I mean. In this is love, not that you love him, but that he loves you. When I wake up in the morning, I no longer think of, oh, dear God, I got to spend an hour in prayer. Oh, dear God, I got to read seven chapters of the Bible. I used to live like that. No wonder I never wanted to wake up. You know why? Because I never did it good. I used to go to the hour prayer meetings, you know, 30 years ago or whatever, pray for an hour. And I I did it because I I thought this is my my place of breakthrough. And, uh, you know, I would do it and, you know, I'd look at my watch. None of you would ever do that. But I would look at my watch (laughs) through the whole hour. And I probably looked at it 55 times. So I was about every minute or so. You know, I'm just being real, real open with you that I failed in my effort to love God. And you know what? I live disappointed. Now, I could come to a public service and look really good. Oh, yeah, I could look good. But deep in my heart, in my day to day life, my attempts to love God failed. My attempts to do enough failed. Failed. But my deliverance came in understanding, like I said many years ago, God set me free from me, and I realized that my position in the new covenant isn't based on me. Do you know the new covenant was made between God and Jesus? God made a deal that can't be broke. My position in the new covenant is based on the obedience of Jesus, not even my obedience. My position in the new covenant is based on the faith of Jesus. Now suddenly I can say glory. I kind of like this, you know, because now I can rest in the love of the Father and just believe I'm loved completely. I'm favored abundantly. I'm blessed eternally. And I'm not saved through my effort. I'm saved through the work of the one, Jesus Christ. If you believe that, give the Lord a shout of praise. Amen. It's good news. And this is love, not that we love him. So, uh, you know, just cut it back a little bit. Relax. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. No wonder you don't enjoy your own company. You know, I meet some people. I met one, one guy, went to visit him in the hospital. And he said somebody came and told him he had to confess the, this word this, a thousand times a day. To be healed. And I said, bro, let me sit down. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> let's pour us a drink. And let's talk. God's love for you isn't based on your capacities. God's love for you Is based on what Jesus did. Look at this uh, little artistic uh, graphic I brought with me. This is what I want to talk to you about today. Can we put that on the screen, please? That little artistic... Boom. There it is. Look at that. See the power of my words. Look at this. Passion for His passion. This is what I want to teach you about today. I want you to have a passion... For his passion. But Keith, don't I need to have a passion for God? No. Not in the sense of you trying to get something from him. You need a passion for his passion. See, this verse teaches us, In this is love. Not that we love him, but he loved us. How do you know he loved us? He sent Jesus Christ his son to be the propitiation, which is his passion. Passion is a, is a word that means suffering. The suffering of the Lamb. Going to the cross defines you. It tells you who you are. So my passion in life now is not to do things. Now, when I was young in ministry, my passion was for the ministry. My passion was to be wonderful. My passion was to hopefully be successful and think, wow, I lived a life that, you know, helped somebody. You know, it was always it was always outside. No longer do I live that way. Well, Keith, you don't have great visions and dreams. Nah, not really. You know what I have? I have a passion for his passion. You know what's birthed out of that? Amazing things. Amazing things. It comes from having a passion for his passion. Remember that movie Mel Gibson did, The Passion of the Christ or whatever? About Jesus, his approach to the cross in the week before, the week of passion, his suffering. But in his suffering, everything that was wrong with you, everything that was wrong with me, which was a bunch, was piled on him. And he did it before you even did it. He took it before you even acted whatever sins out. You know, our rejection of Jesus really is the sin that the Holy Spirit... It's the only sin the Holy Spirit convicts the world of. The only sin is the rejection of the Lamb. That's why the way is narrow. It's just the rejection of the lamb. That's why we have to understand the beauty of what Jesus did. And when we have a passion for his passion, love grips you deep in your soul. And it changes everything. This is why it's good news. Having a passion for his passion. I used to always have passion to build this and do this and buy, you know, talking about ministry stuff, campuses. And you guys have seen through the years different things you did. You know, but no more do I think that way. My my only thought is to be loved. And I'm amazed at what God does when I'm loved. I'm amazed at the wisdom that drops. I'm amazed at the, at the favor. It's good news. Yeah. Vals is closed today. I can't get a milkshake there, but I'll find one somewhere. Hallelujah. Because I'll sit and I'll be loved. And you can too. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Can you do that? Hallelujah. I'm not preaching all that good, but I'm crying fantastic. And that's enough for me. Look at the Bible says, go with me to Jude. The book of Jude, verse 20 and 21. The book of Jude, verse 20 and 21. It says, but you, beloved. That's my favorite phrase. But you, beloved, unless you're a loved one and know it and act like it, you'll always be under stress and strain and striving and looking for more and never knowing you have it all. But you, beloved, it says, build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Let me me pause there. Why do you think your faith is holy? How can faith be a holy faith? I think, now this is just my personal opinion. I think you have a holy faith because your faith is the only thing that gives voice to you of your righteousness. See, your right standing with God is only by faith. Your right standing with God is not you or your morals or your self-righteousness. Your righteousness with God is only by faith. In the Lamb. The propitiation, Jesus Christ, the covering, the mercy for your sins, that's the only place righteousness with God is found. So you have a holy faith because faith decrees to you that you are righteous. Faith tells you that you're standing before God is not you. Faith moves you to in Him. Faith tells you that you're standing before God is Jesus. And the Bible says that you build yourself up. On your most holy faith. You know how often I build myself up on my most holy faith where my faith tells me I'm righteous? Every day, all day, every night, when I wake up through the night and I'm horrified by some idiotic dream of imagination the devil tries to place in my heart and make me nervous about my life, about my world. Every day and every night. This brother builds himself up in his most holy faith. And I give voice to the reality that my standing before the father is Jesus. And when you do that, man, it anchors you. Then you're not so uh, put off with yourself when you're not so perfect. Because you're not as perfect as you think you are. So stop the addiction to yourself. It's not helping you. It's not, it's not helping you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you know what he means. It's not helping you. It's a righteousness by faith. But you, beloved, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Thank God I'm getting better, allowing the Spirit to pray through me. And the older I get, the more, you know, the, the Spirit's equipping. Thank God I still don't tithe my time in prayer. And to be honest with you, I don't know if I want to. I enjoy the common communion of prayer, of conversation in the spirit. That, that's that's different. It's it's the it's the quickening of 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 the Spirit's work in your heart and life. That's that's that that is a, a, a form of prayer, but it's 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 uh, it's different in its flow and manifestation. Build up yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Look at the next verse, verse 21. Keep yourselves in love with God. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It doesn't say keep yourself in love with God. I used to always think that's what all the passages in the Bible were about me keeping in love with God. But I realize it's keep yourself in the love of God. In other words, God's love for me, God's acceptance of me. Because remember, in this is love, not that we love him, but that he loves us. So I keep myself in the revelation of the beauty and the consistency of his love for me. And then I says you can look for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only just his mercy in our times, but his coming again unto eternal life. And that's a beautiful and powerful thing. But keep yourself in the love of God. So take time... Just be loved. Take time to sit still. Take take time to relax with God. You know, the Bible says if if we're matured in the love of God, there's no more fear of the judgment. You know, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, when Jesus comes again, he comes with no more reference to sin. No more reference to sin. He dealt with your sin. It's amazing. See, we we don't understand the strength and the beauty and the power of what the propitiation for our sins has done. It says also in that first John, in the second chapter, the same phraseology, the propitiation for our sin and not our sin only, but the sin of the whole world. In other words, we have to understand this for us so we can extend this kind of view for people. That everybody, everywhere, has been included in the work of the One, and somebody has to announce the news of this kind of reconciliation, and just tell people, "Hey, bro, sit still, be reconciled to God, and believe and receive the love of the Father. God's love for you is greater than you can ever imagine. He, he'll He'll rescue you to the uttermost, and He does it very, very well. So that was kind of love." Defined, so to speak, or described. Look at Romans five eight. But God demonstrates. This is love demonstrated. His love toward us while we're still sinners. Christ died for us. What's it, the picture of the propitiation? The cross. And, and when we come to the place where we can just trust that that's enough is where you really find peace. It's really where you're empowered to pray. It's really where you're empowered to really enjoy yourself. And not be so hard on yourself. I know so many precious people. My goodness, they love God so much. And that's part of the problem in their worldview is they depend all on themselves. And so just just be still. Just not try to fix nothing. Just rest in the love. Have you noticed you can't even fix yourself? Why are you trying to fix everybody else? You know what I mean? Why not, just, why not just sit still? Why not, why not just see the salvation of God? Let your heart get so warmed with the love of the Father. that you think, you've got to be kidding me. You know, I've said it to you before. I don't have these verses uh, up with the folks. But in Romans chapter 4, it says, Jesus was given up for our transgression, verse 25. And he was raised up for our justification. That's the picture of the propitiation it's all on him he did it all he was given up for our transgressions he was raised up for our justification you're justified because Jesus was raised from the dead see you're safe in the death of Jesus and the only way you prove it you know to your natural life is by faith and then you experience it in reality when you drop dead you're safe in your death in the death of Jesus you step right into his presence. Absent from the body, you're present with the Lord. But it's, it's, it's the picture of love. It's the propitiation for your sins. And then it says, therefore, the next verse, this is chapter 5, verse 1 of Romans. Therefore, being justified by faith, that's the most holy faith, being justified just as if I'd never sinned, justified by faith, I have peace with God. See, you can relax. You can have a peace place. You don't have to be wound up all the days of your life and thinking it's up to you to prove anything. But when you're loved, you know what happens? Suddenly your heart cooperates with a momentum that's sovereign. It's supernatural. It draws you. It moves you. It it equips you. And and you find yourself doing the work of the ministry. You find yourself loving people in a a way that they can digest it. They can get it. They can trust it. Because they're going to look to Jesus for everything that they have. Look at it, it says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. Paul the Apostle says this. For I am determined not to know anything among you except... This would be a good uh, kind of uh, thought for me sometimes. Or some other people I know, I'll not mention any names here. Because I don't want this message, you know, I don't want this to get passed around if I'm quoting names. But you know what 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 I'm trying to make a joke of and get myself in deep trouble about? Is the idea, I choose not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ. And Him crucified. The passion for His passion. What does that? the cross tell me? The cross tells me that Jesus Christ included all, look to everybody through that lens usually what i do many times is have my opinions my judgments my telling everybody how to how to do it right apart from the cross based on their efforts or their capacity to do something but paul said you know what what i want to do is i want to have a worldview i'm determined to know nothing except jesus christ and him crucified that's why in his writings you look at all his epistles in the first couple three chapters he would talk about the cross He would talk about if that kind of radical love is received and talk how you can live and how you put off old mindsets, old ways of doing things, old flesh actions. And you put on the life of Christ. You let the Christ of life live through you. But that's not how you're qualified for salvation. You're qualified in the cross. So what he knew became practical knowledge in terms of living things out. But it's all through having a passion for his passion. And that's where, friends, you and I find our strength. It's where we find our peace. And it's where I find my momentum. You know, if I had a list up here, if I had a whiteboard and I listed all the wonderful things I did based on trying to love God, I'd have a, I'd have a list. But, you know, if I was really honest, it was full of a lot of heartache and fear and wailing and a lot of effort. And But if I put a list here in the last decade or so of just being loved by the Father... It, 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 far, it, it far out imagines anything that my effort did. What I'm trying to say is oh, there's a lot of people that will tell you, Well, Keith, you, can't just, you just can't be loved by God. You've got you to gotta motivate somebody to do something. I mean, somebody's got to do the work of the ministry. Listen, I tell you this. If your heart is stirred with the love of the Father, you find a place where you're going to serve your community. You'll find a place where your heart says, man, I want to give a backpack to a kid or I want to give somebody a high five. I want to I want to embrace somebody at the grocery store and, 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 and pay, pay their bill. I want to do something tangible because love's gripped me. I find in my life that my motivation comes through a passion for his passion. In fact, if you study carefully in the book of Acts, if you if you study some of the great early church leaders, like, for example, You study somebody like the Apostle Paul. Remember, Paul used to be called Saul. And he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had a wonderful resume according to the law. But when he got knocked off his high horse through the bright light from heaven and Jesus talked with him. And he understood the revelation of the passion. And he changed his worldview not to righteousness according to the law, but righteousness through faith in the one who did it all. When he changed his worldview, he said, my old resume is a pile of manure. He said, doo-doo, pile of crap. I wanted to get all the Greek versions in there in one little shot. But what, what he wanted, he said, you got to come to a place where you're, you, you have no confidence in your flesh at all. In your good or in your bad. That's right. That's it. That's it. Your calculation is the lamb. And you have a passion for the passion of Christ. And do you know, do you know uh, Saul then, you know, who became Paul, his whole worldview changed. And you know what? He changed the whole face of Christendom. The Bible said they, 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 they turned the world upside down. All his missionary journeys. And what would he announce? The love of the Lamb. Yeah. What God had done in Christ changed everything he had a passion for his passion and it was his motivation think of peter the apostle peter think of it. peter was one of the original 12 i mean my goodness he was pretty close in fact he was then narrowed down to one of the three insiders peter james and john and peter always had to be, man I'm, i'll never deny you man i got this thing down i love you i love you i love you but you find your effort to love god when you're honest it never stacks up to nothing It really doesn't. Peter had to be embraced by Jesus afterwards, after the risenness of the Lamb. And he got captured with the love of God for him. And it changed his worldview. But even God gave Peter the assignment, the opportunity to to preach on the day the church was birthed, when the Spirit descended on the day of Pentecost. And he must have preached a pretty good message. I mean, it's recorded in the Scripture in Acts 2. He preached a good man. 3,000 people got saved. My goodness. There's a lot of people said, man, I want in on that. And they raised their hands or however they did it and prayed. 3,000 were added to the church. The scripture says, but Peter still didn't have it right. Peter still didn't understand the strength of the love of God in Christ. Not fully. Because Peter still had a restriction in his mind based on law-based thinking. Based on Old Testament first covenant concepts, and God said, "Peter, you know we need to change the way you look at what I've done because it's far, 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 far more uh, embracing than what you understand." And he couldn't get it while he was conscious, so God made him unconscious. God sedated him. God put him out, and when he was put out, do you know what happened, precious friend? He had a vision of the passion that was described in terms he understood. Yeah. And all this sheep was let down with all these unclean animals and unclean things. And the voice from heaven said, Peter, rise, kill and eat. Yeah. And Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I'm a good boy. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. I'm moral. Yeah. And the voice said, Peter, what I have cleansed don't you dare call dirty. See, Peter's worldview of what was clean and what was dirty was based on his flesh thinking, not based on the lamb's thinking. And so God kept him in the trance and showed him the same trance again. He had to see the movie twice. (laughs) And the second time, he heard the voice from heaven, Rise, kill and eat. He said, "Not so, Lord. I am moral and righteous according to the law. I would never do anything so naughty. What I have cleansed, don't you dare call dirty. See, let me ask you this: If you're trying to love God with all your heart and think your acceptance is based on you, you know what? Subconsciously, that makes us do. That makes us judge everybody. Ah, uh, they don't love God good enough. Ah, uh, look at what they. Ah, uh, look at the way they're trapped. Ah." Uh, Subconsciously, it makes uh, you an insider and everybody else an outsider. But you know what? God wants us to widen our view. And he wants us to see everyone everywhere clean. Now, they haven't accepted their cleanliness. They don't understand anything about receiving the life and nature of God to be born again. But God's view of them through Jesus is clean. And you announce the news and faith rises in their heart. It's the faith of Jesus that's revealed to them. You live by the faith of the Son of God. And you, your faith is only as strong as the revelation, really, of the passion of the Lamb to you. And then you just say, cool, man, I, I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. You know, you, you, you accept the beauty of what Jesus has done. And this is what's so wonderful. And then the third time it happened again. And uh, rise, kill, and eat. Peter said, ah, I don't think so. And uh, God said, hey, what I've, what, I've, what I've claimed, don't you dare call dirty. I just want you to know, friend, today, that you can relax with God. This doesn't need to be a work. This doesn't have to be full of pain. You can actually enjoy yourself in all your insecurities and all your brokenness. In all your pain. I wish I could tell you that, uh, you know, I'm perfect in every way. I'll, I'll save that for Heidi's testimony. She can tell you how wonderful I am. And since she's not here, I'll tell you myself. No, not really. You know, in my little life, I'm, I'm, I'm very human. Fear visits me, worry, anxiety. I get mad, I get real mad. I say things I should never say, but none of you do. That's why I like you all so (laughs) much. Do do you know what I do in my weakest pain now? I I don't know myself according to my flesh. I find a place to sit still and breathe deep and have the worldview of the passion and say it's cool. And I say, thank you, Jesus, your blood ever cleanses. Thank you that I can recognize that one very nice. You can help me change my ways and make amends. And I do. But the beautiful thing is I'm just as righteous then as I ever was. Because Jesus is my righteousness. And he's your righteousness too. If you like the word today, give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, yesterday morning before I flew up here uh, later, late afternoon, I w- took my uh, two granddaughters to the beach. I hadn't been to the Santa Monica Beach in Southern California for, you know, a long, long time. I can't even remember when the last time. So they wanted to go to the beach, so granddaddy took them. You know, what a great granddad they have. I took them to the beach. <laughs> Heidi didn't take him. I took him. I'm so wonderful. Anyway... <laughs> One of them them is three, one of them is five. Granddad doesn't really have a good gift. I have an expiration time, you know. I'm good for about an hour and a half. And then I need angelic help. (laughs) So anyway, we're, we're in the water and the waves beating up against us. And then Granddad got his belly full. And thank God we got home. And uh, I told him I had to go preach. I had got to do something spiritual, grandkids. Your wonderful granddad's got to go. Preach for the Reverend Dr. Mark Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know, we sat by life, lifeguard station number 22. It's Santa Monica. You know, the lifeguard, if somebody's out in the water like where we were, would respond to anybody who yells, help save me you know the bible says he's whoever calls on the name of the lord but there's a 50 50 chance they're going to be saved if they can clean up and no they they will be saved you know listen god's grace is beyond our capacity to fully understand they will be saved but you know what i noticed about the lifeguard yesterday he would save people who didn't call Do you think the mercy of Jesus and the propitiation of God's love can 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 greet somebody to such a degree that they're saved on the way down and they're held and they look and behold and say, I like it. Receive me. Take me. I think God has a way to reach your family beyond what you think it has to be. I'm preaching good now. You know, God has a way to reach my family. In a way that's beyond what I can fathom. And that's what I trust in. I don't look to the ones who are sinking and think, dear God, what losers are really going down good today. You know what I do? I look to the one who saves. I got my eyes on Jesus because that's where love grips me. That's where I can love them. I can walk with them in their pain and their sin and their failure and their shame. Trouble. I say, Jesus, come come meet him meet him meet him and the lord does you know we 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 are all safe really in the love of the father and the mystery of christ and that is the good news i preached long enough give the lord one more hand clap of praise can you do that hallelujah Hallelujah. (laughs) praise the lord just uh lift your hands to heaven or put them over your heart or just sit still like you're sitting up at the a stool at the diner whatever you want just be comfortable father you love us And we just say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.